Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're in for a treat. Welcome to the Godzilla Podwar Hour. My name is Michael Kelly, and I am joined with my trusted friend, co-host, equal, uh, Nathan Bear, Nathan Allen Bear. How you doing, buddy? I, I'm, I'm awake. Okay, and then also uh, returning for the King Kong Lives episode. Our special guest host from last time, uh, she is officially a scientist uh, as of today. I mean, she was always a scientist, but now she is, that's it. Um, Cara Palermo, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. Cara's here to finish what she started. Uh, Can't get enough King Kong. <laughs> talking about the Dino De Laurentiis 1976 King Kong. And of course, this film was made by by our friend Dino. Um, and it's really the product of two things. Number one, it's the uh, television rights to show King Kong 1976 went for such an astronomically large amount of money. I think it was like somewhere in the neighborhood of... 19 million dollars he made so much money off of selling the tv distribution rights um which for the, our younger listeners there was used to be this thing called television which was where people watched uh, movies after they had been in movie theaters uh before everything was just streaming on netflix um but anyways i think he sold them to like nbc or cbs um and after that he's like that's it i don't care if king kong's dead I got to make a sequel. Like this, just we're leaving too much money on the table here. So uh, you get King Kong lives, and and the setting of this film is very like everything else, very very boring. Mm-hmm. And that's because Dino had found this location. He had actually set up studios in the continental United States, but outside of Hollywood, starting around the time he made uh, Firestarter. Uh, the uh, movie with Drew Barrymore based on the Stephen King uh, book of the same name. From there on in, they had started shooting movies in, like, I believe it's Alabama or, like, Georgia. Georgia? I think this takes place in Georgia. Yeah. So, like, and there's some scenes that take advantage of that to spectacular comedic effect. I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional, but it's probably the best parts of the movie where Kong runs into the locals, but, like... I mean, I think this yeah. is technically classified as exploitation. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they made Firestarter there, then they made Maximum Overdrive, and then I think this was the same year, or maybe the year after Maximum Overdrive, they're like, time to go to that King Kong well again, even though he's been dead since 1976. I don't care. I want to make more money. So, King Kong lives. There you go. Yes. And, um, and it takes place, sorry, and it takes place in Georgia, or, like, you know, the South. Yeah. It, does, it, it takes place yeah. in very non-King Kong areas, where yeah. you would normally associate this fantastical beast. Yeah. It's, like, the most boring, it's, like, fields. Yeah. Like, half this movie is just a field. Yeah. Anyways. Oddly enough, I feel like they were trying to like the uh king kong 76 i think they were trying to play off of jaws there are just some moments in this film which we'll get to later which really feel like oh they did this in jaws so we're going to do our own version of this in this yes and it it doesn't work at all yes it doesn't work at all um yeah but yeah um (laughs) that might be for a number of reasons um not the least of which is the director 
of this film, or should I say the director for part of this movie? Because we actually don't know who directed, like, who did, like, the last few months' worth of, of work on this, because mm-hmm. John Gillerman, who directed Kong 76, was brought back for this one. He left halfway through the production, because he was looking at the dailies, and he was just like, I can't be a part of this. And he just left. Mm. So it's it's sketchy who filled in for him if Dino just took over and just kind of ran the rest of it or whatever. But it certainly seems like a movie where only half of it was directed by a real director <laughs> um, in that the end of it just sort of happens. And, oh, my God, the ending of this movie. It's just so many questions yes. about so many things. Um, but anyways, yeah. Uh, Jurassic World level of, uh, <laughs> of damage, <laughs> civilian casualties, ignorant scientists. Um, just like where, where to even begin? Well, some, some other facts, I guess. Um, I guess we can talk about, well, I just, okay. I did want to mention that John Gillerman Directed King Kong 1976. Yeah. He got that job off of directing The Towering Inferno, as we went over last time. Uh, it was a really sort of bizarre, sad note. The day after we posted the King Kong 1976 podcast, John Gellerman died. Yeah. Um, so that is sort of weird that he... I don't know that that happened. The music was by a guy named John Scott. Mm-hmm. And... It's not nearly as good no. as uh, the music from from '76, from the the, no. the John Barry stuff. Um, it's just in every way that that music really helped to like pick up the slack and like yeah. uh, strengthen that film. Yeah. This music like takes away and sort of pulls back the curtain and reveals it for the sham. Yeah, there's a point where it's just like, they're not even trying to hide how bad, how shameful, how disgusting in some cases this movie is. It's just, uh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's in keeping with the Kid Cogler's discussion, because it's overall disappointing. Yeah. Um, uh, We've got, in a career-making slash ending performance, a guy named Brian Kerwin. I didn't even, I think his first name's Hank. Yeah. It's Hank Mitchell. Hank, Hank Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, yeah, he's phoning in a Bill Murray impression throughout the entire film, like a bad Bill Murray impression. It's kind of like watching uh, Palo Alto. It's just... Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's extraordinarily uncharismatic. Yeah. yeah. It is extraordinary. I, I would I called him like the poor man's Matthew Modine, basically. <laughs> this reminds me of Matthew Modine's performance from uh, Cutthroat Island, except without the charisma there. So this is sub-Cutthroat Island level. Um, and the fact that he and Linda Hamilton have a thing in this film is completely unbelievable, very forced, and, I don't know, nearly brought me to tears. Well, uh, <laughs> it brought me to tears that, like, Linda Hamilton was in agreed to be in this movie. I mean, this is two years after The Terminator, which by all accounts was a very successful, I think well-received a good film. Good film. And how she... I mean, I guess maybe she thought this was going to be... Because the first one was very successful. Yeah. Uh, the 1976 one was, was very successful and very popular. So, I mean, maybe at the time it made sense 
Maybe they were still writing the script and she just didn't know. I mean, it was Dino De Laurentiis, as we mentioned last time. You know, while, you know, he did make this film, he also produced La Strada and several Federico Fellini films. He also produced, you know, Sergei Bundarkov's Waterloo. You know, he was known for lots of high-class stuff. And he was also known for Dune. Uh, (laughs) You know, so it's kind of working with uh, Mr. Laurentiis is kind of in itself a gamble. Yeah. Um, You know, so there's a chance you could be working on, you know, high art or just complete schlock. You know, that's how varied his range as a producer was. Yeah. There's there's definitely defenders of 1976 King Kong. But like... I've never met a defender of King Kong Lives. No. (laughs) There's just... There's nothing to defend. It's just so... uh, um, I mean, I guess the one thing they they did, they sort of learned their lesson this time around with the the giant robot Kong Mm -hmm. uh, is not really in it. Yeah. Um, So that, you know, Carlo Rambaldi still did the effects. He did the effects again. Um... And, but this time, I think there's, like, one shot when, like, King Kong's in, like, the the, the giant hospital or whatever. That yeah. Where he's, like, laying down. For all, like, the, the heart transplant uh-huh. scenes, yes. they have, like, the, but he's just, he's not even doing anything. He's just literally laying yeah, down. It's, it's a prop. Yeah, you know, it's a prop. Point. So he doesn't have to, which, for all intents and purposes, the one in King Kong 76 was a prop. I guess, Really, but yeah. just a prop that you don't love with its own legend. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, they make, I think they made the decision early on in the production where it's like, yeah, we're not even going to mess around with that, uh, giant robot thing where it's just going to be a man in a suit again. But this time, like Rick Baker was not involved. So I feel like Rick Baker was the one who was like kind of steering Dino in the right direction and keeping things on from going totally off the rails. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in the last one, but, you know, he's off doing whatever. He's probably, I mean, it's 86, he's probably doing Gorillas in the Mist at this point <laughs> with uh, Sigourney Weaver. I think that was, like, the same year, if not, like, the year before. So, like, you know, he's doing, like, real work at yeah. this point. And uh, so, like, yeah, the, the, the masks look, Kong looks weird, like his head is noticeably larger. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and it's just sort of not, not nearly as expressive as the other masks were uh, from from the original one, which is weird because the technology is better. So it's like you'd think it would look better, but Eh. whatever. Um, Anyways, so um, Linda Hamilton as Amy Franklin, who is like not only is she like a surgeon, a master heart surgeon, but she's also like a monkey specialist. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought she was a veterinary surgeon. Veterinary surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. It's not clear. It's not clear. I don't understand what Hank Mitchell is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't... I think he's just an entrepreneur or like a... He's like a professional adventurer. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. He's a donkey enthusiast. Uh, Yeah. He... Who then became a gorilla enthusiast. He may be a mercenary of some kind. It's, It's pretty unclear. Um... What what uh, what's going on there? Um, it is weird. Like this time around, King Kong and his unfortunately, they 
he has a girlfriend in this movie, Lady Kong. They're both billed in this mm-hmm. movie. So, like, King Kong's played by a guy named Peter Elliott. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it actually says, and, like, as King Kong, Peter Elliott, or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's just sort of like that. I mean, at least that's a little bit more honest. Because, like, this King Kong 1976 doesn't really star. I mean, I guess it stars Jeff Bridges, but it. it it stars Rick Baker. Yeah. Because he's King Kong. Yeah. You know? So, like, that I thought was a nice improvement where it's like, okay, we're giving him some some credit. Yeah. Um, and for those who are interested, Lady Kong was portrayed by uh, George uh, Yasami. Yasami. So, uh, that's happening as well. Um, but just all around, just complete... Um, lack of direction and, and energy for this movie uh, cost twenty million dollars roughly, and it only made four point seven million dollars its opening weekend. Um, it is currently standing at a blistering zero percent based off of nine reviews on the uh, film site Rotten Tomatoes. Um, there is one good thing. There's two good things. There's two good things that came out of this movie. Number one is the totally badass Japanese poster for it, <laughs> uh, where it was simply and much more honestly called King Kong 2. I, I kind of wish it would have been called King Kong 2 because I think there's something a little bit more sleazy 80s sequel yeah. about that, you know? Or it's sort of like Gandhi 2. Yeah. Or it's just sort of like... Or anything by uh, canon films. Right, right. <laughs> um... Because then you could have had, like, King Kong 3, you know. Yeah. Would have been amazing. With but, Chuck Norris. Um, there's, so there's this incredible poster for it, which is better than the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which we will put up on the on the Facebook uh, page. And then there's a Famicom uh, 8-bit, basically a Nintendo game, mm-hmm. called King Kong 2, colon, uh, Akira no Megaton Punch. <laughs> And this game, King Kong is just going after Lady Kong, and he's fighting, like, evil robots and, like, aliens, but he's also fighting the military. And it is a much more engaging story than King Kong lives. Um, but, yeah. (laughs) As you can see, it's got us all riled up. (laughs) We're all blistering with emotion. This... Um, I will say that this movie, one of my earliest memories uh, from childhood was going into a video rental store and seeing the poster for King Kong Lips mm-hmm. and seeing that that was coming soon and being like super excited about that and being yeah. like, oh my God, King Kong is back. And then uh, watching King Kong Lives <laughs> was one of my earliest um, <laughs> earliest memories of childhood disappointment with the realities of, of life. Yeah, next to finding out about Santa Claus, this, you know, with that, with that rank up. What what about Santa Claus? What are you talking about? Well, how's our boy doing? Incredible. Now easy, big guy. Hold on. They're approximately 50 feet tall, wearing their birthday suits. God, look at the size of him. Did you say your beast is a female? He was trying to get to the female.
this done to her? She's pregnant. biggest hero is back and he is not happy king kong lives so yes uh, it's time we um went over that um mm. oh what, what what's that word um plot yeah Plot. And, uh, yeah. This movie makes you want to dig your own plot. <laughs> fucking jump into it. Kara, can you, can you escort us through the beginnings, the first, the first maybe scene of this sad, sad film? All right. Well, first, there's a recap of Kong dying. Yeah. There's just footage from the last movie. Yes. Which is sad. And then <laughs> it cuts ten years later. And hold, hold up, we don't want to talk about Dwan at all. This is our last chance to talk about Dwan because <laughs> she is in that footage. Oh uh, yes, yeah. And so is Jeff. Bridges. I wish Dwan was in this movie. And which Jeff is Bridges' not. beard. We have to get over it. Yeah, I guess yeah. Dwan's gone. Yeah, Dwan's gone. Forget her. So King Kong was Dwan's swan song. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the last time we'll have fun. Dwan's songs. It's yeah, it's very hard to say. Dwan's Dwan's Swan Song. Holy shit. You have to concentrate hard saying that. Okay. So yes. And it it is it's the last scene of King Kong nineteen seventy six, except it's with John Scott's shit music score. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's not nearly as good. Yeah. This isn't like the It's op- immediately depressing. This is not like the opening to the terror of Mechagodzilla where you get all that cool footage from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and then you're shown a moderately good, you know, film afterwards. You know, right. you don't feel like you've been cheated. Yeah. Uh this oh, yeah, that's man, that like, sense of that continuation huge... of momentum. Yeah. Yeah. And spectacle is dead. King Kong was either in a giant, like, crazy jungle with, like, giant snakes and everything's nuts, or New York, 1976. Yeah. King Kong Lives is a field. And yeah, like a, a field. A river. Yeah. In Georgia. <laughs> but even more than that, right away, it's like, you know, the impact of... 76 King Kong is like, oh, what has humanity done? We've killed this majestic beast. And now, cut to 10 years later, surprise, not dead. (laughs) And it really loses the impact, I think, of the last movie. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I just kept on thinking to myself, and... Like, when all of Kong's muscles have totally atrophied, like, you can't just keep someone as a vegetable for ten years. Yeah. Well, it's not clear what's been happening for the last ten years. He's hooked up. He needs a blood transfusion. 
clearly been pumping him. They want to do whey protein powder. Sorry. Yeah, they want to do <laughs> heart surgery. And you but know, is that what's been happening for the yeah, last ten and, years? And, and let's let's just clearly state this for the record because it seemed like they go out of their way <laughs> in the last one, in at the end of the first film, the real film, mm-hmm. to like have his like they 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 listen to his heart. Yeah, and it stops. Yeah, this is there's no ambiguity here whatsoever. It's not like he could be alive and they're leaving the doorway open yeah. for a sequel. He's fucking dirt, okay? Yeah. He's taking a dirt nap. His heart stopped yeah. for ten years. <laughs> you know? And he's not Jason. He's King Kong. And there doesn't seem to be any really good reason to bring him back to life. Like, it would have been great if, like, throughout the film, you know, a bunch of military people were there being like, yes, we want to turn him into Bionic Kong and right. have him, you know... Right. Defeat the Soviets with Rambo. That would have been amazing. That would have been incredible. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but they missed that opportunity with this. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, it does seem like it's like why even bring him back? <laughs> like why are you keep a give alive? If it seems like they're like focusing all of their science and everything into bringing him back to life, but they literally have. No plan for once he comes back to life beyond, oh, let's put a chain on him and we'll dump a cargo net full of bananas next to him every day. So it's just like, what was the point? Like, why do we need to keep him alive? If he's the last of his species, I mean, at this point, they don't know that there's another one. So if he is indeed the last, then if they keep him alive, what's the point? He's just going to be in a, a zoo? It's it's just so many questions, and the questions have only just begun. Um, Uh, We cut to, as Kara said, this place, which is the Atlantic Institute. mm -hmm. Uh, So Atlanta, Georgia, I guess. So good, that makes sense. And this is, I think, the worst thing to happen to Atlanta since, I don't know, Sherman. Uh, (laughs) This is, is, oof. I don't know, Sherman Helmsley, maybe? uh, Never mind. Okay. (laughs) It's not about Sherman's March, but never, never mind. That's good. That's good. Oh, right. The Total War? Yeah, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that now yeah. from history class. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so this is pretty bad. It's not quite Total War levels, but uh, definitely Total Bore levels. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Kong and a bunch of scientists are hanging out. Linda Hamilton is there. Peter Gautiez is there. You may remember him as one of the guys from the Wolfen that may or may not have been killed by the Wolfen. I don't know. It's been about seven years since I watched the Wolfen, but it's way better than King Kong Lives, so I don't know why I've seen this piece of garbage more than I've seen that movie, which is actually legitimately awesome and features an amazing James Horner soundtrack. Rest in peace, sir. Um, yes, Peter Godez is actually pretty famous, uh, at least he's listed on the Wikipedia page for King Kong Lives, as receiving a check, a royalties check, for 12 cents for King Kong Lives, which he has framed. He never cashed it, he framed and put it on his wall, mm-hmm. uh, which is but a taste of the catastrophic failure uh, that this film has become. Uh, they're in the Atlantic Institute. And they're, I guess Kong's heart is failing, and they, they need to replace his heart. Mm-hmm. And they, they have several discussions about this. And um, 
The whole thing is just so insanely stupid. Well, wasn't that they need to replace his heart, but he won't survive the surgery because yes. he needs a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. But there are no other Kongs, as far as we know. So right. this is impossible. Right, right. And this is where Amy, or Dr. Franklin, a.k.a. Linda Hamilton, has been talking. And this is the only time where we really get any back information about what Kong has been up to for the last ten years. Which apparently has been nothing, because she says... His blood is too weak now. He needs new blood because we've been keeping him on blood thinners for the last 10 years or whatever. So, to me, that is conclusive reports or, like, proof that, like, Kong has been in this coma vegetable state for a decade. And uh, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, But, yes, they need a whole bunch of, of new Kong blood. And we cut to Skull Island... No. no, Borneo. 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 In the, in, no, Indonesia. It's either Indonesia or Malaysia. I forgot to write it down. I'm a bad person. Uh, yes. Um, anyways, uh, so not Skull Island, but uh, not <laughs> too could, far off. We cut or, to not Skull Island, yes. where not Matthew Modine is <laughs> doing something that is not exciting. No, he's <laughs> with with the donkey um, and. Uh, yeah, doing a Bill Murray impression. He, like, is talking to his donkey constantly. And then he decides that in the middle of this wild jungle, he's just going to take a nap. And then tells the snake to get out of his sleep spot. Yeah, so he picks up the snake, snake. and throws it. Which seems very reckless to me. Yeah. It's like you have the whole jungle. Just go to a place where the snake isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> and just sleep there. Yeah. I Why mean, take the risk of picking up and throwing the snake? How do you know the snake won't come back? Exactly. <laughs> That's the snake. That's the snake's home. You know, <laughs> maybe there's eggs buried under there. You yeah. don't know. Uh, this guy's just a twerp. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, twerp-tasticness uh, of this scene uh, is elevated by the fact that he ends up falling asleep next to Shi uh, Kong's hand. Yes, Lady um, Kong. Lady Kong, which you can tell immediately that's a lady because she's got. She's got Kong boobs. She does. Uh. Yeah. She has breasts. It's weird, though. It's weird, and it's uncomfortable. And I remember watching this with my my family in, like, 1987 when it came out on VHS. And I clearly remember when there's a song, there's a scene where Lady Kong stands up for the first time, and her boobs sort of shake Mm -hmm. a little bit. And being, well, I was, like, five or six at the time, I was just like... This feels weird and wrong <laughs> and, like, uncomfortable. And luckily, my father, being the making the best piece, as always, broke the tension by just saying, boobs, or something. <laughs> and everyone erupted into laughter, and we all, as a family, got together and healed. We quickly moved past this film's best attempts to traumatize us. <laughs> but uh, it is clearly a woman, Kong, a lady Kong, and um, the Lady Kong is chasing not Matthew Modine through the jungle. Luckily, there are some local Borneo natives that knock out Lady Kong with sleeping darts. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, that to me seems like the, the Lady Kong is much easier to knock out than like Kong from 
from the other movie. Because didn't they have yeah. to pour like fifteen tons of like chloroform? Yeah, on that the had bomb? to be air. Yeah, you know, yeah they had to air drop like Petrox. a ton. All hail the power of Kong <laughs> and Petrox. Um, yeah, this is clearly like e- even even our main characters are like limited in resources. It's not just the film; like our main characters, like this is what they're reduced to. Yeah, it's like they, they are can, you, Dino. Are you sure you want to knock out Lady Kong just with with darts? Yeah. Do you think people will buy it? It's like, no, it's okay. It's a Lady Kong. Be darts. It's fine. It'll fall asleep. I'm going to make a sandwich. You know, like <laughs> that. You know, I'm sure that's all the discussion there was. Um, so at this point in the movie, I was feeling hopeful about the movie still and <laughs> I thought wow this movie's really moving things along a lot faster like you see Kong right away you see Lady Kong like right away yeah. I was like maybe they're trying to make it a more action packed movie and I feel like they did try to do that and it made it more boring somehow. yeah 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 it, it seems like everything that's interesting about this movie kind of gets done in the first 35 minutes, and then, like, the middle yeah. hour is just, like, a slog of biblical proportions. Um, it's, the, I'll, yeah, I agree. The The beginning is, is very fast-paced. Uh, Spielberg rip-off alert, uh, number one, uh, just having not Matthew Modine going through the jungle with the donkey, I think, is clearly... Mm-hmm. And, and the, the darts from the natives clearly yeah. rip-off mm-hmm. of the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. So, uh, that that's number one. Um, so, basically, not Matthew Modine calls up America, mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, I have found, like, Lady King Kong, um, who who's going to buy it off of me, or whatever. Yeah. So it's very strange for him as a character because he seems like totally ready and willing to like profit off of this discovery. Yet at the mm-hmm. same time, he feels very protective of Lady Kong, which I was never quite clear where his loyalties lied. If he yeah. was just protecting an investment or if he actually had an emotional attachment. Yeah, it's not like uh, Robert her. Armstrong's character in the original King Kong, where it's like he deep down he does care, but at the same time he's a very eccentric person. This, you know, we don't have enough time with the character to feel that duality. It's just, you know, well now I feel this way, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the pacing is rushed in such a way where it's like the next time you see him, it's one of those scenes where it's like he's like shaving. It's like half of his face has shaving cream on it, mm-hmm. and he's like making the call halfway through through being shaved or mm-hmm. whatever. So it's one of those like actorly business things or whatever that usually happens and to try to camouflage scenes that are too boring. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, and yeah, he basically calls a couple of different institutes. I think Princeton and other places are looking to get on it, but like the Atlantic Institute. Picks up, gets the gets the rights to to house Lady Kong or whatever, and and specifically the argument that it will help save King Kong mm-hmm. because Lady Kong can be a donor yeah. to the blood. Um, I just want to before we leave this section of the movie, can we just discuss the laziness that it's just Borneo and not Skull Island? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because now it's like, what are they just giant animals all over the place? Like, yeah. I mean, this is Indonesia, right. or you know the the you know the 
you know, Oceania, basically. So Malaysia, Indonesia. Like, I know there are some parts of there where people don't live, and that's why there were, like, soldiers hiding out there. But there's a difference between, you know, one person hiding there since the end of World War Two, and a, you know, 50-foot ape. <laughs> right. A 50-foot ape. That they want did no, nobody you know her you know Skull Island at least had the excuse that it was you know devoid of human you know non native contact right you know for so many years there's at least you know an excuse this is like no the, I mean that that they might as well at this point say like oh yeah no we found it in Washington State right yeah yeah you know? I mean to <laughs> me this seems like the final unpackaging or like deconstruction of any of those more fantastical parts of the King Kong legend, because mm. that's right, like, if you can just find a Kong species just chilling out anywhere, now it's true, like, you know, this started in in the 1976 one, where it's like, oh, well, there aren't dinosaurs on the island, because it's too unrealistic, or yeah. whatever, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, and I think that you're, you're seeing, like, the tracing of the line of that logic, where it's like, no, no, and, like, they don't want to, I mean, obviously, don't, they don't want to go back to Skull Island, you know, the production doesn't want to go back to Skull Island because mm. it's, like, really expensive to go to Hawaii for mm. whatever reason. But so, like, like you can see it there, but, like, ah, it's just right there. It's just sort of, that is such, it, you're supposed to be a King Kong movie. To me, that's an implicit agreement on, like, there's got to be a certain level of fantastic shit happening, yeah. you know? And just have it be yeah. some country... It's just, that's a betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Like, like, mighty, from the jump. Mighty Joe Young makes sense of the fact that it actually takes place in, I believe, Tanzania or Kenya. Um, you know, because Mighty Joe Young is just a abnormally large ape as opposed to a, you know, gargantuanly yeah, giant oversized monster. Ape, you know. So, right. the, 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 you know, Mighty Joe Young, you know, plays with realism. Yeah. Um, but this this doesn't even try. Well, it's just sort of like it's it's the equivalent of the producers and the director just looking at the camera and shrugging yeah. and just being like, "What do you want?" It's just <laughs> like well, they're in the jungle. Yeah. There's trees. There's some there's some bananas. Fuck off. You know, like the movie's continuing. Once again, the dump cake metaphor. Uh, okay? Exactly. We could have taken a lot of time and let this cook, let this come out, you know, really well, or we could just throw some stuff together and bake it. <laughs> Another dump cake reference. Thank you, Nathan. There's a scene where they land, this giant cargo jet lands, and they load Lady Kong off the cargo jet. Mm -hmm. And, like, there was a guard on the plane who, like, looks at not Matthew Modine when Lady Kong wakes up and is like... <laughs> like, because she's, like, excited to see not Matthew Modine. And, yeah. the, and the guard is like, she's got... That little lady has a crush on you. Yeah. And also, how the fuck did they fit this thing in the plane? Yeah. I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. It's, I, I wrote this down in my notes. How the fuck did they fit it on the plane? Like, this is a plane. Like, the first King Kong, they had to put it on a boat, and they somehow had to open a rift in, like, space right. to give it, like, some... Like I mean, somehow, I, yeah. Like, there's, there's no, there's no way. It I have no idea how they got boat. Kong in or out of the boat. Yeah, that and, like, the fact that they showed it on the boat like makes us question it more. Right. Like first King Kong, they didn't even show what happened. Right. So we can just well let our. I'm surmising yeah. that those darts that the natives blew into Lady Kong's boobs yeah. knocked her out <laughs> long enough. <laughs> that is where the darts hit. Her. Let's not let's not have any illusions here, ladies and gentlemen. 
They bullseye her tits with those darts, okay? I'm Look, I'm sorry too, okay? <laughs> this is the movie John Gellerman chose to make uh, until he left halfway through out of disgrace. Um, but are we to presuppose that those darts knocked out Lady Kong uh, for like five days or like a week or a month or however long it took them Do to they get have to this. keep reapplying the darts? Do the they place have... where not Matthew Modine is looks pretty far away from any sort of landing strip big enough to accommodate that yeah. cargo plane. <laughs> we have to think this thing through, all right? I, I could see like it arriving on like, you know, with, you know, ten helicopters carrying it. It would have been equally ridiculous, but I'd at least be able to give them just a shadow of a doubt. Just who cares? There's a lot of this movie that's just like, was clearly like, you know, you felt like King Kong, there was more of an effort to be like, but how would they get him on the boat? You know, or where would he be on the boat? Right. Yeah, Yeah, where would he be on the boat? This movie's just like, Okay, he just goes there. He's on plane, and then he ends up in Georgia. There we go. You do feel like the, 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 the like, the overriding command of the of the movie was fuck it. Yeah, like, yeah. We got we, we got you know yeah. times are wasted. <laughs> um, we'll fix it in post. Um, so, I guess we can jump right into the. Uh, the blood transfusion scene, which to me seems like one of the strangest, yeah. like tonally scenes yeah. of any movie this I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, uh, like first was, of all, uh, let's say what a major promotion this is for Linda Hamilton from being a vet <laughs> surgeon to like uh, working on an animal that is larger than a human. You yeah. think they okay. would want to at least start with the best heart surgeon for like humans in the world mm-hmm. and go up from there. But this is like jumping from like, you know, a uh, pickup team on you know the park to going to the NBA. <laughs> like, there's no there's no like development league here, you know. So, uh, anyway, well, what, yeah. to? What, what can you do? Yeah. But my favorite thing is there's like they do transfusion. There's like giant drip bags of blood, and there's like <laughs> giant surgical tools. It's amazing. Which no. I guess is what's been happening for the last 10 years. They've yeah. been inventing all these things. Yeah, they've been working on it for the last 10 years. And I think, like, they needed those things, because Kong was in pretty rough shape mm-hmm. at the end of Kong 76, so I'm yeah. sure they immediately had to, like... Maybe that was a scene we missed, where they tried to, like, stitch him up with, like, regular tools, and it just didn't work, and they're yeah. like, we have to invent giant versions of all of these things. Yeah, eventually kissing it and making it better just didn't work. Uh um, it's a it's a harrowing scene because the first half of it is very uncomfortable tonally again where you're just like should I care about Kong I guess I should he's sort of the hero Linda, Ham- Linda Hamilton seems like like you you want to be invested in it in like a tense movie surgery mm-hmm. scene aspect mm-hmm. but the like lunacy of the whole thing mm-hmm. where it's like especially like Linda Hamilton's like cutting into Kong's like chest cavity with this thing that looks like a giant like hedge like uh, a hedge cutter yeah. with like yeah. this, there's there's a certain type of hedge cutter that has a circular saw blade attached mm-hmm. to the end of it and that's kind of what she uses to cut into it yeah um, except it's all, it's like suspended from a, a wire. I mean, the amount of thought that went, again, went into this scene, mm-hmm. clearly John Gillerman was 
present for this part of the filming and sober for most of it. <laughs> Not to poke fun at the recently deceased. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, there was some production... I think this is where all yeah. their money went. Yeah. Yeah. There's... Yeah, because then they have the giant, like, pacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. And that looked pretty cool. Yeah. And like I said, this would have been a perfect time to have some military goon like come and be like, yes, and as soon as he has the bionic heart, we can then, you know, right. fit him with the bionic arm, the bionic, <laughs> right. you we know, chainsaw, stronger. Yeah, stronger, <laughs> you know, and here's a map of some, you know, eastern bloc country, which we plan to, you know, airdrop Kong into and liberate it. Nathan, with, you know. the stuff that you're saying is starting to sound too good to be ignored. I think we have to make Kong 3. Yeah. After this episode, just have it be like, you thought Kong was dead in 1976. Turns out he was still alive. Briefly for a period of eight months in 1986. Then he died again. At least that's what you thought. But he was still alive for another 30 fucking years. And now, Kong is back. And he's working for the U.S. government to take out the Soviets. Uh, I think this could work. Yeah, this could work. Think, yeah. this could work. <laughs> Let's just talk about this fake movement that doesn't exist for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Rated R for situational smoking. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so Linda Hamilton puts a giant robot heart inside Kong, which there is a very tense moment where one of the support cables snaps, and it's yes. almost like, oh, that's the most really tension. Drop? Yeah, yeah but there was more tension in that scene than in King Kong '76. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. I also thought to myself, like, there's this gaping hole in Kong oh. before they put oh. <laughs> the heart into him. Like, yeah. when they take his real heart out, which is quite disgusting, by the way, because yeah. it's, like, the size of, like, a car. And uh, and then they put the other heart... It's like, there's, there's a hole in there a human could fall into, and that would be a terrible death to, 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 to fall into that cavity there. Um, but they do almost put it in. And it's then the, one of those support cables snaps. It's very, again, very tense. But no, they quickly recover because there's quite a few doctors around. There's like 15 surgeons, mm. and they all they can manhandle it and like guide it manually into there. And John Gellerman makes the correct choice, I think, to end this ludicrous sequence as quickly as he can within reason by just having it fade out with the robotic heart coming into camera and having that cancel out the light. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, that's it. We just jump to after the surgery, which I think was a good call on his part. Um, so we jump to after Kong gets the heart put in him. And it's like maybe a day later, I guess. And Lady Kong has been put in a temporary housing facility like a mile away from Kong. But, of course, Kong's nose is... Proportionally, he's got the giant monkey smell. Yeah. So he can smell Lady Kong. Mm-hmm. And he starts trying to break out of the restraints immediately after heart surgery. And he's like taking off his IVs. And like the doctor's like, stay down. And it's like, it's going to take more than you just telling him. Yeah. So <laughs> stay down. It's King Kong. You know what I just thought about? If Lady Kong has been in Borneo yes. and Kong's from Skull Island, like how he, they say he smells her in. Presumably he knows it's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, How? has he yet even seen another Kong yeah. ever? And here's the thing. 
They're from two different islands, and I know this seems like a stretch, but we know from the Galapagos Islands and specifically from the uh, recently deceased Lonesome George that the turtles, the Galapagos tortoises from each of the islands, they can't really breed successfully with other turtles. Like yeah, they, they well, become it's different to a whole other thing. Yeah. If there's only one Kong, how are they continuing their species? Yeah. Them, so. And it's yeah. like, do they just live, like, a really long time? Where they, have these guys been around since the time of the dinosaurs and have just been waiting to find right. each other? Well, mathematically... The guide them together? Mathematically, if there's fewer than, like, you know, I think... A thousand? Like, a thousand healthy males and, like, uh, like two or three thousand females, the species is already doomed. Yeah. So, like, this is this is all just, I don't know, for... Uh, for for yeah. kicks, all this stuff they're doing, just to have a have a happy ending, I guess. Yeah. There's no real point to what they're doing here. Well, that's the whole movie. That's the whole movie. Ape sex. That's the point of the film. They were just like trying to get that niche market of people who just really want to see giant apes in uh, suggestive situations. Uh, the, the, the logic <laughs> of the doctor saying stay down, you know, <laughs> that carries over into the next scene where they're feeding Lady Kong and she is, she's, she's got restraints on her hands mm-hmm. and, or like shackles on her hands and her feet. Um, and they're, they're, like literally, just it's a dump truck full of like bananas. Yeah, <laughs> and she's all. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, back a mile away, where Kong is recovering from his heart transplant, he has gotten a lot of his strength back. Mm-hmm. And but they only put one guard on him. It's like it's King Kong. Yeah, at least have it be like a tank yeah. or like like two guards or like. A, a, one guard, but with a guard with a working radio. Mm-hmm. Don't just put like one guard <laughs> with yeah, like the shitty guard. radio. Yeah. Have they learned nothing from New York? You know, like. Anyways. Will man ever really learn? <laughs> so Kong gets up. He's very horny, mm-hmm. and he breaks through the this uh, this I don't warehouse. I guess. Well underguarded warehouse. Yeah, this this vacant warehouse, except for this one guy who's like, Oh jeez, I don't know. I mean at this point in the film, like why didn't they just have like a cartoonishly large hammer above King Kong and if he like went over a certain point it would just, you know, hit him in the face and he'd go back to sleep. Nate, that would actually be a more effective plan (laughs) than what they did. As silly as that is. So Kong breaks through the wall and uh, he he runs and he breaks through the uh, the other wall to get to Lady Kong, and they have an awkward sort of meet cute or whatever. Um, not before Kong clearly kills, clearly kills yeah. like six or seven people because mm-hmm. there's some guys in pickup trucks who just mm-hmm. like I guess they go kamikaze and they like try to drive into his shin and he like kicks him over and stuff. That stuff I, I appreciate, you yeah. know, but like. Any any sort of generic monster run amok stuff is is, is welcome at this point because mm-hmm. I think along with the audience I was starting to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, and then they they sort of fall instantly in love because they kind of have to um, for the story to to 
progress from here. They, there's no real time for them because, like, you know, they're they're walking around the countryside for you know a lot of the remainder of the movie. But like, there's a lot. This is a weird scene because you gotta have to have them like meet, and then Kong kind of looks at her in such a way, and like he has to have that dumb look on his face where yeah. he's like, "Oh, jeez." And then, like, that's it. They're together. And they run out of there. <laughs> together. Yeah. Together. And. Well, Kong's just excited. He doesn't have to keep picking up little human women. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so on his side. Yeah. So on his side. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so. At this hmm. point, I wrote in my notes, and I think this continues for the whole movie. Yeah. Everyone seems outraged in this movie the entire time, like all the people, and but I don't know why. Yeah, like everyone's just angry at each other, mm-hmm. or they're angry at Kong. Yeah, but no one has really done anything to each other. So yeah, there's no reason for anyone to feel any of the ways that they feel in the movie. Like they, you know, we we get introduced to the. Um, a character named Colonel uh, Nevitt, played by John Ashton, who uh, you may remember from the Beverly Hills Cop series. Uh, he portrayed the not-Judge Reinhold uh, person who aligned with, with Axel fully. Um, and he's been in some other stuff, too. But, you know, he's sort of gruff, and like his first line is like, he's, he's kind of given a like the situation report to his, you know, uh, his fellow uh, military personnel. Uh, and they're kind of out in a field because there's like just this big dumb military scene where it's like they're on the assault or whatever and they're just going across a yeah. field. The first of many scenes where it's like multiple military vehicles just going across a field. And he stops the Jeep and he's like, all right, everybody, listen up. You know, our, our, Targets are easy, or they're not difficult to find. They're 50 feet tall, and they're wearing their birthday suit. Mm. Which I thought was kind of a, it was a funny line, I guess. I mean, it's not ha-ha, laugh-out-loud funny, but, like, he's making the best of, I guess, a bad situation. It's really the Atlantic Institute's incompetence that led to this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he pretty much does his job in this movie... Uh, I'm not going to say flawlessly, but I can't really fault him for how he goes about, like, trying to recapture Kong. It's not like he's pure evil or something. This is what I mean. It's like, you know, he is, like, standard military character, very gruff, but he's just trying to recapture him. Yeah. Linda Hamilton and the guy are just so angry... First, they're angry at each other for yes. no reason. Yeah. Yes. And then they're angry at them for no reason. They're just trying to capture him again. Yeah. Yeah. To take him back, presumably, to the Atlantic Institute. Right. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's like towards the last act, like, the colonel, like, definitely is just like, now we have to kill them. Right. You know. But up until then, there was, like, really nothing wrong. It's There's kind of no like, conflict. Yeah. There's it's kind no of like conflict. Jeff Bridges in the first one, where he just automatically, like, hates everybody in authority. And it's just because like, he's a dirty hippie. Yeah. <laughs> he's part of the 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 end. It's 1976. It's the end of the hippie movement. They yeah. they didn't they didn't trust authority at all. Um, I, Spielberg movie scene ripoff alert number two. Mm. Uh, there's a scene where uh, not Matthew Modine is driving 
in in a station wagon. Yeah. Uh, across the uh, open plains or whatever with a map. This is clearly taken from Close Encounters yeah. of the Third Kind. And the military... And the, like, yeah. going around yeah. military yeah. stuff. It's like shot by shot. Shot by shot, exactly. Except without the, you know, genius John Williams score yeah. enlivening everything. So it's really just a car driving around, uh, you know, a, a long road yeah. uh, in the countryside. <laughs> this is an action film. Yeah. Um, and Linda Hamilton drives up to him in her... I think it was a pickup truck mm-hmm. or something, or an all-terrain vehicle, like a Bronco, which is a very popular car from the 80s. Uh, it was an all-terrain sort of thing. Um, sort of like the, uh, the predecessor to a uh, like a Ford Escape uh, or an Explorer. Uh, and so she's like, huh, you're not going to make it, you know, off road in this thing. You might as well jump into my car, not Matthew Modine. And not Matthew Modine's <laughs> like, well, okay. So he just, he just abandons his car on the side of the road. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, is that your car? Do you have car insurance? Did you buy this car with the money that the Atlantic Institute gave you for Lady Kong? Maybe he's been in Borneo so long he, he doesn't understand the concept of a car. He's like lost the... Maybe I don't he, know. I, maybe yeah. he took out Monster Pursuit insurance on, his, <laughs> on the car rental agreement beforehand. We don't know. Or he still thinks it's a donkey. He just thinks it's a donkey. They're like, oh yeah, the car will be fine. It'll find food on its own and I mean, find its way back home. I'm, I'm not saying anything because I'm thinking about it. Because <laughs> it's, a, again, a legitimate option. Um, <laughs> Hank Mitchell is his character's name. I'm going to say it once every uh, 53 minutes. <laughs> um, so, anyways, he abandons Hank abandons his car. And uh, him and Linda Hamilton are pursuing the the two Kongs, and so is the military. There's a scene where they're crossing a bridge, and Hank Mitchell, like, scratches his arm on something. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even remember where it is, but, it, like, how he did it, but it's bleeding. Um, and then there's another scene where the Kongs are out sort of near a, a kind of a low-range mountainous area with some waterfalls mm-hmm. and stuff, and, um... Lady Kong is helping King yeah, Kong nurse his wounds. Yeah, because King Kong, like, he scraped his shin on uh, the blades of a bulldozer when mm. he was breaking, when he was doing the monkey break. Yeah. Um, when they were engaging in guerrilla warfare. <laughs> uh, it's just... Oh, hey! God. And, uh, anyway, so Lady Kong, she gets some leaves or, like, some tree branches or something. Yeah. I don't remember. She, like, she does, like, first aid... On his yeah. shin, and then they all that time in Borneo by herself. She she learned how to do yeah do that, and uh, and then like Linda Hamilton does the same thing to not Matthew Modine. She dresses his wound in like yes. the next mm-hmm. scene, and they're trying Parallels. to be like yes. yeah like forcing the characters yeah yeah to like, like each the, other <laughs> yeah like these waves of romance are being broadcast by the Kongs, and they're forcing Linda Hamilton and not Matthew Modine to fall in love. Yes. Yeah. So like it's. You know, that's happening. It's an awkward attempt at something. Linda Hamilton says, you're the only man within 10 miles who's not trying to act like John Wayne. Yeah. Not true. Not no. true. He's he's dressed like an adventurer. He's out yeah. adventuring. Yeah. Uh, that exactly line is like... just uncalled for, and I am in the dark as to what she's talking about there. Because yeah. he's absolutely acting like John Wayne. 
throughout the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> then she thing... just takes off her shirt. Then yeah. she takes off her shirt. Yes. That's exactly correct, Kara. Um, and they... Yeah, why did she take off her shirt? I... Did they get wet or something? I don't know. Yeah, the script she... told her to. Yeah. And she, I just, she's she's not wearing a bra. Uh, apparently she didn't have time to pack that or whatever. No, it's no, no, no. One of those things where her back is like turned to, to not Matthew Modine, but it's it's definitely uh, super erotic. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why she does that. Yeah. Um, it was it the had 80s. to be Dino. <laughs> um, and she puts on a different shirt. Mm-hmm. And then they continue <laughs> going after God. <laughs> uh, she has a tracker, by the way. Yes, uh, yeah. for the heart. Well, this is what's happening, right? Is that she's worried that Kong's heart can't take the excitement, the excitement. and the rom- of Lady Kong and the romance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Viagra. You know, you've got to ask your doctor first if you're healthy enough. Right, mm-hmm. and Kong did not ask <laughs> Amy Franklin, aka Linda Hamilton, if he was healthy enough for sexual activity. So this whole movie really is sort of a warning for uh, safe sex guys. Come on. Come on, jeez. Um, and also, uh, A.B. Franklin, ha- Dr. Franklin has to administer, like, medication to Kong's heart through the computer, like, through the tracker every 24 hours or something. So I guess, like, the medicine is in the heart, and but she just programs when to release it or something. She talks about it later on. It's very... Again, I, I was just dumbfounded with, yeah. with questions about, like, yeah. what if he gets hit in a certain way and the medicine breaks open in the heart? Like, that just seems like a terrible yeah. idea. Unlike in King Kong 3, where there's actually a thermonuclear bomb well, inside his heart. Well, that's the failsafe. Exactly. That, uh, yeah. You know, if you know Kong does not complete his mission, we'll go off. Well, yeah. Take he, out He triggers the... that when he when he's <laughs> fighting Mecha-Rex yes. at the end. In uh, <laughs> the uh, former Soviet country of uh, Pakoslavia. Uh, <laughs> pressing forward. Um, I wrote down, again with the flamethrowers... I guess. <laughs> the mili- the military- Again with the flamethrowers. Again with the flamethrowers. The military tracks down Kong to some area like five minutes before or after Linda Hamilton and her friend get there. And it's not even worth saying his name anymore. I'm just going to... Ref- when, I, when I say Linda Hamilton, I really mean Linda Hamilton and the other character. But he doesn't matter to an extent where it's just Linda Hamilton, okay? Yeah. So Linda Hamilton gets there. <laughs> and, like, the military has cornered Kong and Lady Kong at a, at a ridge or a canyon or a place where the ground is one level and then there's a cliff and then it's much lower and there's a river at the bottom. Of that lower area. Okay? And um, they surround Kong, and again with the flamethrowers, which I guess is an effective means of capturing a giant ape. I don't know. They're really just... It's in the textbook. (laughs) (sighs) They're still trying to use non-lethal means, I guess, and burning him is, is that, I suppose. Kong is... they they like They smoke bomb Lady Kong... So she passes out, and Kong gets up on this sort of sort of overhang of the cliff, and uh, he's they're pursuing him, and he jumps off. Well, they airlift Lady Kong out, I think. Yeah. And also, Linda Hamilton 
and the guy just like they chase the military there and then during this do nothing they yeah. just stand there and watch it happening right and yeah and again i don't know what what was their plan what were they planning on doing yeah like are they because by rights they should have been like great here maybe we can give you some intel about how to capture them but like or if you think they're going to hurt them, be like, stop. Stop. Yeah. Or do something. Something, you know? yeah. This, nothing. This is the Aaron Taylor Johnson Godzilla 2014 syndrome, where it's like you have all these special skills and abilities, but you just sort of sit there and do nothing. Wait for the movie to take care of itself. I don't yeah. fucking know. The so script will find a way. <laughs> Kong jumps off this cliff, which must be as tall as... Um, the World Trade Center because he falls for proportionally the same amount of time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so cheap. Like the the it was clearly just a guy in a, like a regular ape costume mm-hmm. jumping off of a cliff. Which kudos to that stunt man because that must have been terrifying. Yeah, uh, like can you imagine jumping off a cliff for a movie and not being able to see or really breathe? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Maybe know, he didn't even do it dead. on purpose. Yeah. Maybe they just happened to be filming and he tripped. That guy may be dead. <laughs> they may have killed him for this shot. Because I'm not seeing a scenario where that goes safely. Um, but Cog lands in the water, and I guess the river was deep enough to have a beast of his size fall for two square, you know, two miles. And, he's fine. and then he hits his head on a rock, and blood shoots out of the water, visually ripping off. Jaws, and uh, yeah. it does look like it hurts. Yeah, so the military's just like, well, I guess we're done here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they don't <laughs> they sweep don't check. the river for his body at all. Why would they? It's just, it's like, oh, it's King Kong. He survived for 10 years on life support, and he's like, we've seen him come back stronger than ever for no medical reason <clears throat> that we know of. Again, last of his kind, super species of monster ape. Mm-hmm. We're just going to assume he's dead and back to my place for apple teenies. <laughs> 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 Colonel Nevitt, you boffed it, okay? <laughs> You're blowing it. Um, so, yeah, then, like, they take Lady Kong back to the. Like, the military, like, takes charge at this point. Like, they they take Lady Mm -hmm. Kong to, like, this abandoned... Like, it looks like a silo for, like, a nuclear missile. Like, a missile silo. Um, Yeah. What else could it be? Unless they, like, planned for this and instantly built a cage area big enough for Lady Kong. If we we didn't mention it before, it's been applied... Excuse me. Implied... That Lady Kong and King Kong have engaged in coitus. Yeah. Uh, hot, steamy ape coitus. And yeah. uh, therefore, uh, she, you know, uh, over she's, the next she's, few yeah, months... She's, she begins acting strange and emotional. Yeah. We'll put it that yeah. way. Um, of um, course, she's just been kidnapped and trapped, like, underground, so... Yeah. Right, so there's that, too. There's no real handbook for how she's supposed to act. This is basically the King Kong version of Room. Yeah. Um... And it's it's during this time when uh, when Linda Hamilton goes to visit mm-hmm. um, Lady Kong in prison, and she's she's talking to uh, not Matthew Modine. That um, not Matthew Modine's like, 
Kong's alive. And Linda Hamilton's like, I feel it too. So yeah. it's like a psychic link between yeah. these two leads and Kong is strongly implied. Yeah. Um, I mean, remember, she's the one that... Th- this is the same person that offered a complete stranger to sleep in her sleeping bag. And yeah, and then goes on to say, well, we might as well. I mean, we're awesome. You know, oh, yeah. Primates. I forgot about oh, yeah. that. Whatever. In the woods. Yeah. Now, we all tried to forget about that, but it's... Well, it just happened so fast. Yeah. It's just um, like, I mean... Basically, they, I feel like Brokeback Mountain ripped off that scene, uh, but well, uh, <laughs> well, like, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Good call, Nate. They they wake up to the military arriving to get Kong. Yeah, and in that scene, Dino carries on the tradition of having a topless woman in a King Kong movie. Yes, which does date back to the nineteen thirty three one. You can see Feyre's breasts for like a little bit because it was pre-code. Yeah. If you see the pre pre-code version, so that that this is the final yeah. Kong film where there is any female nudity, ape yeah. or otherwise. It's gone from pre-code to code red. Yeah, exactly. So like, you get to see Linda Hamilton naked for like not very long, like no. half of a quarter of a second, mm-hmm. and um, they it's it's the most it's. It, this is the textbook definition of gratuitous nudity because mm-hmm. it, it there's nothing. No, there, there is nothing. no reason. It adds nothing. Um, this is the most like forced yeah, relationship yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but I guess they're lovers now or whatever, and they can oh. share feelings not only with each other but with Kong. Yeah. Cause so it, this is like this is when not Matthew Modine's character. I don't understand. He's so upset about King Kong, but like, he's just this adventure guy trying to make money off of that. Yeah. It doesn't. This sense. isn't like <laughs> Han Solo, where only at the end of the film he comes back, right. you know, and right, saves exactly. the day, you know. And it's just like, hey, you did it. You you had an arc, you yeah. know. And it's like, no. It just it flips back and forth. It's just like, oh, now I feel this. Way. Now I feel that way. Yeah. Uh. So. During their discussion, when they sort of at long last verbalize their closeted uh, psychic link with Kong, um, which they really should have been using to feel it for the you know at least for the very least the talk show circuits, yeah, uh, to make some extra (laughs) scratch on the side. um, Linda Hamilton ends it by being like, "Well, but he's probably not alive because we're talking about a creature who need to consume." In excess of a thousand pounds of raw protein a day, or something like, what's he gonna eat? You know, what's he? And she says something stupid. I didn't bother writing it down. Right. But then we see him eating alligator, little baby alligator, or what is it? Obviously, well, it's supposed to be Kong in in the bayou. Yeah. Kong yeah. goes full Cajun and eats, uh, picks up what is supposed to be a full size alligator. Mm-hmm. And they cut to the use of the Kong, like the big Kong hands, holding a real alligator for a second. Yeah. Which must have been an interesting shot to get, I yeah. think. You, that, that's more probably, interesting. That backstory to that shot. That is one more, shot. Yeah. Because I imagine there'd have to be an alligator wrangler who'd yeah. have to hold that thing up and maybe tie it to the hand. I don't know. A person could spend hours thinking about this stuff. <laughs> but... 
it's it's cut back and forth with like the guy in the Kong suit. Excuse me, uh, Peter Elliot in the Kong suit. Um, eating or like just grabbing onto the little baby alligator, and it's like, yeah, th- this is the first time that this movie fails in trying to pass off a radically disproportionate baby, but it's not the last time it fails in doing <laughs> that. Uh, um, also. <laughs> Do apes eat protein? I feel like apes eat fruit. Yeah, apes. I believe. <laughs> I believe gorillas are vegetarian. I th- except for bugs, they eat insects. Yeah, I don't think you so, eat alligators. Well, either. to be fair, alligator meat does sort of taste like chicken. So I don't know if that and gets us like further <laughs> to being vegetarian. That just means you could eat an alligator. <laughs> I mean, alligators I are green alligator before. Really? Yeah, oh. it's not bad. Was it like deep fried? Like how did you? Ask uh, it? yeah, it had like a little bit of breading on it, but oh. it, it was pretty good. Was it like chicken? Yeah, it tasted sort of like chicken. It was, it was a little bit more. The only thing was it was a little bit uh, chewier. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so sort of a, a milky, gluey substance to it too. So it's weird, but like no, it was good. I suggest eating crocodile. And alligator to anyone who has the chance to do so, don't be freaked out by it. But yeah, general chicken taste attributed to it. Um, but yeah, I guess Kong is there must be thousands of alligators in the bayou, and Kong is really good at catching them because uh, he's been living undetected in Louisiana for eight months <laughs> eating alligators every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the so then hmm. I feel like I might be missing something. So then the random people go out to decide to hunt him, but how do they know he's alive? Yeah. Well, this is another like uh, I think I fell asleep during this. And, yeah. At some point, they find out he's still alive. Somebody sees him, and that's when they steal off. Or, excuse me, rip off another Spielberg, Spielberg yeah. moment, and that is from Jaws when all the. Northern rednecks yes. get together and try to hunt the shark. So yeah. this is just um, yeah. They 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 rip off the Ben Garner's boat. Yeah, scene not the scene where they find Ben Garner's dead body. Yeah, uh, which is a masterpiece of suspense. But the scene before that, where you see all of the um, crazy Yahoo, you're like yeah, yeah, like literally, like even though they're on land, they, yeah. they, they go on a river to a dock and load into a boat. Yeah. Like, you could have at least had them in a Jeep. Yeah. You know, like, sort of, but no, it's all, uh. it's directly out of Jaws. Um, and, uh, like, well, uh, the, they, we cut from that to, like, um, the not Matthew Modine and Linda Hamilton go back. Because I guess, okay, this is, like, eight months has passed, right? And so, like, they go back and to this place. Um, where they're keeping Lady Kong and Linda Hamilton's like, no, we can't just go in there. We were thrown out by Colonel Nivet before and we'll never be back. We'll never make it back in. We have to go through the proper channels. And then not Matthew Modine's like, channels my ass. Mm -hmm. And he like runs and he tries to like tackle a guard and I, doesn't he immediately get subdued? Yeah. Or something? It's like... This is ass beat. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Like, Indiana Jones, this guy is not. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And, uh, but they still take them into the silo anyways, and, like, they get, 
in, it's 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 all very vague. Yeah. And but mind like, you, months have passed. Right. So th- this has all been like go- through the dialogue. It's revealed that like a lot of time has passed. Yeah. So Lady Kong has been in the silo for like what eight months, something, right, however right. long it takes to ov- yeah, or not ovulate to <laughs> conceive a child Kong. Right. Uh, Which is what Linda Hamilton determines what has happened. Yeah. She does like a she takes Lady Kong's pulse or something off of her ankle, and she's like she's not angry. She's pregnant and like slaps someone. And we got, the, <laughs> and we get we get that scene. So it's like Lady Kong is pregnant. Raise the stakes. Um, so yeah, the stakes have been raised. We see Kong go into a a town in in the south, and uh, like everyone gets riled up, and everyone runs outside. It's like wait, wait, and this old dude runs out with like a shotgun, and he just fires it into the air. And this guy with huge hair, like Richard Lewis, 1980s <laughs> hair, uh, he jumps on a motorcycle and he like grabs his girlfriend, who clearly wants nothing to do with it. And he's like, come on, it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> and he rides his motorcycle between Kong's legs. And it's just like, I mean, if you could get away with that, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. You know, if you're at a bar and be like, well, yeah, one time I threw a... You won a dart tournament, and, oh, yeah, one time I went cow tipping. What about you, Bill? Oh, I rode a motorcycle through King Kong's legs with my <laughs> girlfriend. That's a pretty, that's a badass story, and my hat's off to that guy for pulling it off and not getting killed. Mm. But, um, basically, yes, Kong's a muck, and he's running, uh, it, although he doesn't really kill anyone in this period, and it's only, uh, when the, the hunters, they, they... Uh, Corner Kong in sort of this uh, ridge area valley uh, between a couple of hills or a couple of like the Rocky Mountain type areas that are so abundant in in the south and uh, they set off uh, some dynamite and bury him uh, perfectly up to the head. Yeah, just his yeah. head. Just his head, because that's the easiest for them to for to build. Because that, that's <laughs> yeah. the only thing they can get to work correctly is the monkey head. And this seems like a ripoff. This of is Mighty completely out of Mighty Joe Young. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they try to get Kong drunk. Mm-hmm. Literally, I mean, it's the same yeah. stuff. Like they feed him the alcohol or whatever. And this is one of those abrupt, weird character beats where it's like, they're sort of into it, but then there's one guy who's like, all right, he's had enough. And like this guy who's like, I guess friends with this guy is like, turns into a a sadist. And just just like, no, I'm taking control of the group now. And like his other two friends, like grab the guy who's like objecting and like hold him so that this guy can like hit him in the stomach with the butt of his rifle. And yeah. Like, this is some fucking weird deliverance shit going yeah. on, right? This is not how groups of friends act. Like people no. don't just turn evil all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. This is not episode three, Revenge yeah. of the Sith. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all of it. Um, so like, yeah, um, they, 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 they try to get him drunk, and when Kong spits out the liquor, which he spits out about four gallons of liquor, by the way, so they get, must have a lot in that bottle they were feeding him. Yeah. Uh, they they make the decision to burn King Kong in the face with torches? Yeah. yeah. Which, at that point, it's like, you got it coming. You know, yeah. Like, th- this, is what, this is your plan for an evening? You know, like, 
And then, yeah, of course, Kong explodes to the rocks and kills all but two of them immediately. They get crushed to death by rocks. The one guy who's sort of crawling away, uh, Kong picks him off, off a ledge and rips him in half. Yes. Which is, like, very violent. Uh, and the movie goes from being, like, PG to, like, NC-17 levels of violence. Mm-hmm. Like that. Uh... And then he grabs the other guy and just eats him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I am sort of glad that that happened because they uh, they skipped over the whole Kong eating people aspect in the 1976 King Kong. I mean, he stepped on people, definitely. Mm-hmm. But there was no full-on Kong eating people, which was really a hallmark of the 1933. Yeah. Uh, version. So I'm glad that they sort of restored that to the text as it were in this interpretation. Um and it is at this point that like okay Kong has murdered five rednecks and not Matthew Modine immediately stumbles onto this scene because I guess he was watching them. And he like picks up the the burnt out torch and he like immediately knows what just happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Yeah. And he's like okay Kong, you've killed. There's nothing that can stop them now from killing you or whatever. And uh, it's just sort of like, okay, <laughs> I guess. I mean, didn't he kill like 30 people when he broke out Lady Kong? Right. Yeah. Like they were all in cars that exploded. Yeah. You know? Like I guess they all got out and they were fine. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, he's King Kong. Obviously, he has to die, you know, yeah. regardless. Or there take him back been, to Skull Island. I don't think there's been a Kong film where he lives. In Except ca- King Kong lives. Except King- <laughs> I mean, until the end. When he yeah, dies. until the end when he dies. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Shit, my son of Kong. Son of Kong dies for no reason. No reason at all. It just like- he wasn't hurting anyone. No. <laughs> uh, this family has a bad track record of survival. <laughs> they like the Kennedys. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he lives at the end of King Kong Escapes. An infinitely superior film, I might add. Yes. Where Kong is used for the correct reasons by the correct people. <laughs> Kara, in case you're not familiar with 1976's, sorry, 1967's uh, King Kong Escapes, an evil mad scientist kidnaps Kong to study him in order to build a robot Kong that build, can dig into ice caves to find element X in Antarctica, but then um, the radiation is too extreme for the robot Kong, so they just get the real Kong and hypnotize him by making it think that the robot Kong is is actually the girlfriend Lady Kong, and she's telling him to go del- go into the ice cave and dig up the ice. Well, that makes a lot more sense. In this yeah. movie, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so much more sense. So much more satisfying. Yeah, Gosh. yeah. He pummels to death the uh, Tyrannosaurus. Oh, amazing! It's amazing. I wish I was watching it right now. <laughs> uh, back to this horn swoggle. <laughs> um, so yeah. You know, Kong performs the fatalities on the rednecks. So now we're moving into the, the really the the final act of the movie. Uh, there's a scene where Kong's walking around. We never really determine what state. I mean, I, I guess it's I guess Georgia. it's Georgia. It's Georgia because it's the Atlantic Georgia. Institute. Yeah, and he does bullseye um, this guy's like Ferrari mm-hmm. in his parking lot. Which is supposed to be a funny scene, but yeah. it, it sort of, to me, magnifies how not exciting or interesting at I all. Were those two guys supposed to be gay, or... 
I don't know. Oh, I, don't I think they just had their. Oh, yeah, okay. I think they just had polo shirts on, and it was the '80s. But they could okay. have been gay. Um, and this scene reminded me of Weird Science for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. This seems like something that could have happened in the movie Weird Science because mm-hmm. it seemed like a similar neighborhood. Um, but yeah, again, it also served to remind me of how not interesting the concept of having a giant ape is, unless it's in a, either a city. Or a jungle where there's dinosaurs, because yeah. it's just sort of like, it just seems yeah. like a commercial or something for yeah. something. Uh, anyways, so not Matthew Modine and Linda Hamilton are pursuing Lady Kong, like, she breaks out, or like Kong rips the the door, or the like the top off of the missile silo yeah. to free Lady Kong. And then, and then uh, stores her in a barn, and then mm-hmm. like the military, yeah. Colonel Nivet now rightfully trying to kill Kong because hey, he's murdering people yeah. and like they jerks that they were. It's still you can't just have a giant. Ape, I'm sorry, you can't just have a giant ape going around just tearing people in half. Although I wrote here that they the Pentagon told them not to kill Kong. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because they, 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 they hate him, I guess. I don't know. And this is almost like a, a ripoff of Patton, where it's just like he he says, like, oh, well, what channel was that uh, order on? Oh, well, we're on channel six. Oh, you yeah. Know, as yeah, opposed yeah. to Patton, yeah. where it's just like. Yeah, and that's the one time that he yeah. acts, like, uses his awesome authority to, like, break a rule. And I guess for that reason, we should be happy yeah. from everything else that happens, which is that. The military corners Kong near the pumpkin patch next to this barn, mm-hmm. and uh, where there was like uh, like a family reunion going oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Oh yeah, that scene was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it seemed like a scene from a, another movie where you know they just have Kong interrupt the family reunion. Uh, and it looks like a family reunion slash barnyard hoedown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, that was a much more interesting mm. uh, movie, and I wish I could have watched more of that. Uh, but uh, Kong comes back, and he puts the in-labor uh, Lady Kong down inside the barn, which she fits in quite s- <laughs> nicely. Uh, so it's a very big barn. And uh, and then, yes, the military, led by now deranged uh, Colonel Nivet. Um, corners Kong, and uh, Kong leads the assault with a series of uh, dirt-based attacks. He mm. punches the dirt, and the dirt, like, shields him so he can come in and, like, sort of take out the tanks and the various jeeps and things. And I mean, it, it, it like, at, at one point, it's sort of exciting to see all the guns going off and, like, you mm. know, him fighting again, but at the other point, it's like, you're, you're like, why... Why does this exist? Why am I watching this movie? Like, what was the point of bringing him back to life if they were just going to kill him again? Yeah, mm-hmm. in, like, the same way. In the same way. Yeah. Right. And and this time it seems like they need more equipment to kill him. Something that, like, you think just one shell yeah, from a was, tank yeah, or yeah, a battleship right. could have taken care of. This is the Rocky Two scenario, really, where it's like, you know, Apollo like, almost killed Rocky at the end of Rocky 1, but now because Rocky is angrier, he can take twice as much punishment at the end of Rocky (laughs) 2 and defeat Apollo, which makes no sense. Uh, In the same way, Kong, like, 
it took two helicopters to bring them down last time yeah. when they had miniguns or whatever. This, there's an entire battalion yeah. of, like, you know, tanks and helicopters and jeeps and cannons and, like... And he still pretty much kills everyone, including Colonel Nibbit, which he th- first he throws out of his tank, and uh, then steps on. Well, and he goes into the grave. Oh, wait, no, he does the ground pound. Yeah, he yeah. hits him with his fist into the ground. Not unlike um, how Nuclear Man beats Superman <laughs> into the ground on the surface of the moon in Superman for the quest for peace. Uh, Nuclear Man, of course, played by Mark Pillow. That's his name. That's his real name. So, um, yeah, Kong pounds Colonel Nivet into the ground, and uh, that's the end of Colonel Nivet. <laughs> I think, unless they did Colonel Nivet lives after this, we don't know. He can come back in Kong three. Oh yeah, he, he could be, be the, the angry military. Yeah, yes. he could be the leader of Kristallakistan or whatever. Yeah, and like now it's gotta be it's gotta be uh, Paco Slavia. You know they gotta mix the you know <laughs> South Asia with you know so you know they have to fight you know a combination of communists and Muslims because it's the eighties and you know those are like absolutely no nos. If you're one or the other, you're you know a threat. Right, it must be extinguished <laughs> by a giant. <laughs> All right, so Colonel uh, Ivet yeah. is leading the military assault in Paco. Slavia. Obvious, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but for this movie, at least, he's presumed dead. Uh, Kong, after taking a barrage of you know, shell casings of all size that the United States military has to offer, lumbers back to the barn, and the, the music sort of kicks in. John Scott's wonderfully mediocre half-baked score... <laughs> And Linda Hamilton is sitting there comforting the Lady Kong. I guess she did the procedure. Yeah. Uh, and so she's it, also a gynecologist. We can apparently. see, yes, that Lady Kong has delivered a man in what appears to be a party store uh, gorilla suit. Just a normally proportioned man. Yeah. Baby um, Kong. I mean, it's Baby Kong, but it looks like. Like Jim Belushi in Trading Places. <laughs> when they put that monkey suit on him, it's like, look, listen, now you listen to me. Like, babies have a different bodily proportion than men, okay? Their heads are bigger, then they've got the little cute baby arms and the little cute baby legs, and they're softer, and they got a lot more fat. And I'm sure this is true with gorilla babies as well. You know, it's they're breaking the laws of logic and science and reasoning. It's so cheap. Why didn't they just have Lady Kong just have holding a just make a little puppet baby Kong would have it still be like the size of a car, yeah, or a tank, yeah, or the that proportionally what it would be. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It like fits into her hand. It's so weird. Why did they do this? This is the climax of the movie. This is the part where you're supposed to, any emotional thing that you're supposed to feel in this train wreck, this is it. This scene. And they're like, oh no. Just, yeah. just, a, just a guy in like a $60 gorilla suit. It's no problem. Why would we? Why? You know, why? No, this will work. People will look at it. Oh, no, that's a baby. That's a baby King Kong. 
Yeah, because it should be a sad scene, because it's like he's dying, yeah. and the the baby Kong's watching him die, yeah. but it is not. No, this isn't like It is so distracting. Yeah, it's pretty distracting. <laughs> You're not seeing this little baby Kong and feeling those emotions. You're confused. as And, and it's like you're in the, at this super important part of the movie. The audience is left putting the pieces together to figure out what's happening. Not emotionally, not mm-hmm. what the director's trying to communicate. Or things that, like like in a David Lynch movie, or like a purposefully vague, like, mm-hmm. oh, what's, you know, what's the meaning of this, or whatever. But just to make sense of what you're seeing from a basic story deductionary standpoint of like, oh, I guess that's the baby. Yeah. But, yeah. like, your brain wants to reject it. Yeah. And I think that also... When you compare it to the end of 76 King Kong, it's like, you know, in that, when he's dying, his eyes look so sad. But in this, the King Kong suit's so stupid looking that him looking at the baby and then the baby's ridiculous. It's just, yeah. it like kills the whole thing. Yeah, just, thing. You just, yeah. I mean, that's what truly killed King Kong. Yeah, King Kong. <laughs> like, this is it. So then King Kong sees the baby Kong and, uh, and dies. And then, um, like Linda Hamilton is comforted by not Matthew Modine, whose character's name is Hank Mitchell. The actor who portrayed him was Brian Kerwin. Okay, not Matthew. He's not. He looks a lot like him, though. He does. Um, and then we cut to Borneo with uh, Lady Kong and little baby Kong, who's still just a guy in an ape suit, mm-hmm. swinging around on normal sized vines. Yeah. And they're happy in Borneo. I, I guess, guess they return them. They return them. That's just what is yeah. happening. So should have just put them on Monster Island, where they could have been eaten by <laughs> all the other monsters, all the better yeah, monsters. Yeah, which is why we have to make King Kong three. Yes. So and, I'm th- and, and like it's because it's been thirty years. Yes. So let's let's and now he's full size yes. like little baby kong is full size they could use the same suit that they use for baby kong because yeah. he looks like a, already a fully grown proportionate male mm-hmm. and also the size of a man so you could build the suit and, like the cities up around him yeah oh wait it, i mean i just think wait, the parallel- baby kong has now been taken over by the soviets and now he is going to have to fight his robot father. Oh yeah. my god. And then the colonel will come back and he'll also be a cyborg because he was pounded yes. into the ground. Yeah. So this is just, it's kind of like the end of Return of the Jedi where, you know, Luke is looking at his robot hand right, and right. looking at his father's robot hand that he just cut off, you know. Kong will see the cyborg Colonel Nivet who is now being used for the purposes of evil and he will see this in, in himself. Yes. That's correct. Yes. And feel the conflict there and that will cause yeah high drama yeah and a, a very exciting and engaging film that makes sense and does not shamelessly rip off steven spielberg five times not like king kong lives uh so that was it yeah that was it there's no more dino de Laurentiis produced kong movies after this no nope. for excellent reasons yes. which we have tried to explain <laughs> Um, Linda Hamilton went on to star in Terminator 2, Judgment Day, which is one of the best movies ever made, period. Science fiction movies, action movies. If you haven't seen it, you're blowing it. (laughs) I don't know what Brian Kerwin, uh, did after this. I don't really care. Uh, 
And John Gillerman retired. This was the last movie he made, and mm-hmm. he only made half of it. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah, he, he went into hiding uh, after it, yeah. and uh, that was it. Probably moved in with J.D. Salinger. Uh, yeah, and then he was just like, that's, that's it, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess now we will, next time on the show, we'll dis- be discussing, at long last, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, both mm-hmm. the theatrical cut and the, uh, extended, uh, special edition, which is like, I think over three hours long. So we're going to have a lot to unpack mm-hmm. uh, in that particular episode. And as longtime listeners know, uh, my opinion and Nathan's opinion uh, differ quite dramatically on mm-hmm. the interpretation of that film. So we're expecting some serious uh, conversational fireworks uh, engaged for that particular uh, discussion. Um, as for uh, tonight, uh, I would like to say again, my name is Michael Kelly. You've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour, where I'm accompanied, as always, by uh, Mr. Uh, Nathan Allen Bear, our very special uh, welcome return guest host, Kara uh, Palermo, uh, who's now officially a scientist. Um, it's official. It is official. Um, so, yes, we are on the wonderful site Podbean, which then puts us through to iTunes, where we're just one of the top uh, Godzilla podcasts there. We want you to, to keep commenting and then share with us how you feel. We also have a, a Twitter uh, and a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Twitter is uh, Michael Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. And then the Facebook page is just the Godzilla Pod War Hour. And trying to keep things current there. Um, I loaded up a few pictures from my friend uh, Yuki sent us from Japan. She actually went to the Godzilla Hotel uh, in the Shibuya uh, district in, there in, in Tokyo. And uh, it was pretty amazing stuff there. Um, we're, I don't know, maybe a year away from Shin Godzilla at this point. Toho actually has not announced the um, mm-hmm. the release date for that, but you know we also have some other stuff planned coming up and uh, keeping things interesting, keeping things engaging, keeping things exciting. Unlike 1986's King Kong. <laughs> <laughs>